So. So. Brackets. Yes. So. How is this not a movie yet is versus the Snackaderms. This is our eight and nine seed. Oh, so they are. Yeah. This is the last this of the like first round last votes. Last of the first round votes. Okay. And these two are both strong contenders. Yeah. How is this not a movie yet? That's entire, the Edelstahlkugel, yeah. right? This is the entire Brazilian coffee industry owes oh, its start yes. to a food heist. Yes. Mm-hmm. The historical Brazilian coffee thing. That would be an incredible movie. Yeah. Well, it's going to lose to the Snackaderms. The Snackaderms. Snackaderms. Everyone I mean, wants the Snackaderms. Elephants with diplomatic immunity make off with sugarcane. It's a good description there. <laughs> I think Scar wrote that. Like, so. at some point, I want a big plushie of a Snackaderm. We're not yeah. making those. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to, like, talk to the guys that make my plushy meat cleavers and say, hey. I need a Snackaderm. Make me a Snackaderm. Yeah. I mean, if this one wins, we might have to have plushies with our T-shirts. <laughs> well, now it's going to win. No, no, no. Because Gnocchi Brothers, Gnocchi, Gnocchi Brothers, Gnocchi Restaurant. Would I mean, look amazing on a shirt. It would look amazing. Would we have to pay a fee to that Australian gnocchi restaurant if we put no, the name of their restaurant? No, because theirs isn't actually named the Gnocchi Brothers, <laughs> Gnocchi, Gnocchi Brothers, Gnocchi Restaurant. That's true. It's not. <laughs> their name includes all, some of those words. Yes. But not all of those words. Not all of those words and not or in that order. Not those words in that, like, volume. Mm-hmm. So. But do not steal the king's potatoes is also... Do not steal... Yeah, really strong. Yeah, this week to be clear, snackaderms versus the incredible historical Brazilian coffee heist. Yep, and we talk about the snackaderms for almost nine minutes. Yeah, and we're doing it again. Like you can't not talk about snackaderms. So, can you um, imagine, like in My Little Pony cartoon style, a show about elephants that steal stuff? A food heist show starring adorable elephants that just steal things all the time. They got little bandit masks on. Yes. And one of them wears glasses because he's the nerd. Yeah. Over so he's his the hacker. bandit mask and then glasses. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be so great. On the bad story ideas, we have Abraham Lincoln writes epic fantasy fanfic of Moby Dick. Our very first bad story, bad story idea, idea from that college you, that you and I ever That's came like up with. 1998. Yes. Yep. Some of you weren't even born. Yep. So... And planetary shenanigans, or Sisyphus plays Katamari Damacy. <laughs> this is the uh, the giant rolling a planet across the surface of a much larger planet. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that could make a T-shirt. Abraham Lincoln's Abraham Lincoln's fanfic of Moby Dick could make a T-shirt. Would yeah. Yeah. That could. Boy, that could. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you, listeners, how many times we've almost broken down and written the yep. book. Yeah. Of Abraham Lincoln's. Fanfic of Moby Dick, which, by the way, now that Frugal Wizard is out in the world, yes, that was the origin of Cecil G. Bagsworth. Oh yeah, is yeah, yeah. He was going to Cecil G. Bagsworth the third was the editor who had found the lost manuscript of when Abraham Lincoln wrote an epic fantasy fanfic of Moby Dick, and then he was producing the annotated version. How did we come up? I know we came up with Cecil, and we came up with Stet around the same time. Stet Canister. Stet yeah. Canister. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing, which became kind of my alter ego somehow. Stet Canister is Jordos is Cecil and mine yeah. is Stet. Stet Canister. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because of Stet is the editing thing yeah. that you put to say, mm-hmm. no, don't make this change. Yeah, you write um, that. After up. an editor's gone through a manuscript, you can mm-hmm. Stet certain comments and then they don't apply. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how Canister got added to it. 
It was I, just... I know I did it. I was the, I was the person. <laughs> You're the one who came up with Stet Yeah, because someone said Stet, and like, oh, that'd be a cool name. I'm like, oh, for an intergalactic hero. Oh, yeah. Stet. Stet, Stet Canister. Canister. It's so Spaceman Spiff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Stet Canister in the 25th century. It just sounds yep. so cool. So, it's my cooler galactic hopping planetary adventurer named Stet Canister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So. Stet Canister. Okay, yeah. So, anyway. Go vote. Go listen. And next week, we will not have one for you because we're going to still be compiling. Like, we have to wait. Yeah, we have to wait till all the results come in. Yep. And then we'll be able to give the second round of Mm -hmm. votes. So, So, all right. Do you have a food heist today? Oh, I probably do. You want one? (laughs) (laughs) I've got like 10 in my phone. You told me that you came prepared. I came prepared for the first episode. I have so many food heists. People have sent me a zillion of them. Okay, so this one comes from, uh, and I'm going to pronounce this name incorrectly, and I mm. apologize, Anurag Sabath. Mm. This is an Indian food heist. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Somebody in the city of Hassan mm-hmm. stole 2.7 lakh worth of tomatoes. And I tried so hard to figure out how much a lakh is worth. It's like... A certain number of rupees makes a lock. Okay. But it's, I couldn't tell if it is an official or just like unofficial denomination. But it's a lot of tomatoes. It's around like five or $6,000 of tomatoes. Okay, so yeah. So a whole bunch of tomatoes. And apparently price of tomatoes is soaring in India. And so in the Hassan district, somebody stole a whole bunch. A bunch of thieves sneaked into a field and harvested all the tomatoes. So what are they doing with these tomatoes, Dan? Well, they're going to open a rival restaurant to the Nyoki Brothers and like we need we need a nice marinara. Well, I mean, it's it's in India, right? Yeah. So I assume that this is going to have to go into like a a curry of curry, some kind? like a Rogan Josh or something uh, like that. Yeah. A Tomka guy soup uses tomatoes, okay. I know. Yeah. So Okay. Or are or, they throwing them at people? They might just be throwing them at people. Yeah. Yeah. They've got such a massive and wonderful, you know, movie Hollywood culture over there. And some of them are wonderful and some of them are not. And maybe they're throwing tomatoes at the ones that are not. I actually know what this is. Okay. What is it? It's Star Trek Four. <laughs> Star Trek Four. Star Trek Four. So like in the future we don't have any tomatoes. In the future, the tomatoes have died off because of global warming. Yeah. Climate and change has killed all the tomato killed crops. Killed all the tomato crops. Just like and it's doing with bananas right yep, now. Yep. And, and bees. A giant intergalactic tomato uh-huh. shows up to see what happened. I feel like I've seen this movie. It's called Star Trek Four. <laughs> see what happened to all of the children that it left to, yeah. you know, to, to seed uh, on Earth. It has seeded tomatoes throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hoping one day to come back and harvest them. Yes, yes. Well, you know, with all of their knowledge, yeah. you know, because they're they're actually a sapient species that mm-hmm. you know gets reborn and reincarnated, and so they Absorbing they remember absorbing yeah. the history of everything, and then they yep. realize that we've absolutely effed up our planet. Yep, and they're all dead, mm-hmm. and so somebody has to go back in time and get some tomatoes from the Hassan district in India. Yes. And yes. bring them into the future mm-hmm. to appease the giant space tomato. I mean, frankly, I don't know why 
the police haven't already come to this conclusion because it seems it's in, really obvious. Like, yeah, uh-huh. what else could it possibly be? <laughs> I saw Star Trek Four in the theaters. I was that much of a nerd as nice. a kid. Like, I was like a teenage, young teenager. I was like thirteen or something, and I went. I think six was the first one I saw in a theater. Okay. Yep. And I went by myself. Went to Star Trek Four. My brother and my cousin. And loved, of course, the little too much LDS in the 60s uh-huh. line. Oh, yeah. Still, still. Great line. Mm-hmm. I actually genuinely love Star Trek Four. I know people make fun of it a lot. It's one of my favorite Star Trek It movies. is one of mine, too, because if you yeah. watch the original series, it alternates between camp and serious sort of science fiction drama mm-hmm. really regularly. Like yeah. the writers who were writing that, you had all these science fiction writers and they love camp too. And so you occasionally have, you know, Spock and Kurt are wearing gangster outfits and pinstripe suits. And then you will jump to really dramatic look at, you know, mm-hmm. Vulcan culture and and yeah. back and forth and back and forth. And this is- And so I'm glad they got to do a funny movie. Yes. In Picard season two, Mm-hmm. which was better than season one, but still not spectacular. They go back in time to like the right now or something. Yeah. And the same actor that was the punk on the bus with the ghetto blaster was in it again. And this time seven of nine like beat him up. It was actually really awesome. It was a wonderful nod to the fans. So also in uh, the stupid Star Trek game that I play constantly on yes. my iPad called Star Trek Timelines. Mm-hmm. George and Gracie, the whales, you can get them as a crew member. <laughs> you can get the whales. The whales. So sometimes when I send a voyage off into the galaxy, they'll be like my diplomatic officer or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Anyway. Uh, that's not what I was going to say. What were you going to say? Something other than pretty cool. Oh, but well, we'll you don't ahead. think it's pretty cool to have whales as officers on your ship? Those whales were not sapient. They were just whales. Did they get uplifted? I would argue that whales are sapient. Uh, there are multiple campaigns around the world to try to give whales human rights, which, first of all, is a contradiction in terms. But second yes. of all, because sapient I kind means of agree with. Of human intelligence, right? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. so. Did you know that whales have fads? They have fashion fads? Did I we talk about this? I fashion fads. I knew they had song fads. Yeah. So they will do things that become popular and they'll spread between the pods. Like right now, it's attacking boats. Right. And in the Atlantic Ocean, they're, you know, different pods are just attacking boats. There was a time. Attacking. I, playing with attacking, them as, as, as knocking them around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't attack people. Yep. But they're trying to break the boats. There was a time, and I want to say this was in the 90s, but it might have been later than that, when orcas would wear dead salmon on their heads. I am not making this up. Marine biologists would go and find them, and they would be like, why is there a dead salmon on this orca's head? And they have these weird things that become popular in their culture. Seems very unhuman like we I know. It's very yeah, dumb of yeah. me to say, yes, they're intelligent. They wear dead salmon on their heads. No, but- no, no. I was making your point for you. We would never do something that dumb. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. No, of course not. No. There's no fads about eating Tide Pods. Yeah. Humans <laughs> do some with pretty stupid stuff. Salmon on so. their heads. Yeah. Yep. See? Now I was agreeing with you on that one. Okay. And wearing dead salmon, I can totally see us see? doing. Yeah. yeah. Like if it became mm-hmm. super popular. Yeah. Like, what was one of the ones when we were in, like, junior high or high school? 
I mean, we had oh, it, I had all it the was worst really ones. popular in the early '90s for a brief period of time to wear like your underwear pulled up, so yeah. the band of your underwear was above your pants. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, that so, one has gone in and out. It's, that's that's like dead salmon level to me. I yeah, think. that is that is pretty bad. Yeah, wearing like seven swatches on your arm in elementary school. I don't know if that's dead salmon level, but. Anyway, what are we actually going to talk about? Ted Lasso. Frankly, two. I could talk about Dead Salmon for a long time, but let's Ted talk Lasso. about Ted Lasso season two. season two. I have finally caught up. Well, no, I have finally <laughs> caught up to where everyone was a year and a half ago, <laughs> and so I want to talk about Ted Lasso season two. I am so excited. I bit my tongue, yeah, so hard during our discussion of season one because a lot of the things that we were talking about and that you were projecting. I was trying so hard not to give any spoilers. Yeah, because season two is weird, man. It's so weird. Like, it didn't do any of the stuff I thought it was going to do. <laughs> but season three is, right? At least the Kinda last sorta. episode. Yeah. Now, don't tell me any spoilers, but like one of my predictions, at least Emily, I don't know if I predicted here, is like, all right, the evil husband needs to buy a soccer team and have a rival soccer team. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were setting him up to be the next big villain because yeah. we came to love her. And so it's like, well, but then, nope. But then, nope. Nope. At the very end of the season, yeah. yes. At the very end of the season. But no, the big villain was toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Or just not even, not uh, this season. Like, I don't know what to make of it. Because did you like it? I did like it. Awesome. The writing is still excellent. The characterization mm-hmm. is still excellent. The season doesn't have as much of a soul. And if I have a criticism of it, it's that. The first season was so great because they used this frame story to pull us through episodes mm-hmm. and we had to find out what happened next. Yeah. Season two took me many times longer than season one because when it sits down to watch a show it's like um a ted lasso is good but we would find something else to watch because Mm -hmm. that connective tissue of are they going to get relegated or not in season one yeah was so powerful and i thought that they're like well what do we do for season two to have the same sort of thing and their answer was we just won't which is defensible let me tell you (laughs) it's gutsy i super appreciate it I love a lot of things they did with season two. I don't think it worked, that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like not having something that I felt the season was about made the season yeah. much harder to latch onto. Well, and this is something that I teach a lot of classes about mm-hmm. when we do writing conferences and stuff is the difference between a story or a bunch of stuff that happens. Yeah. And this was a bunch of stuff that happens. It was interesting stuff with characters that I like. Yep. But whereas the first season had... You know, not only the relegation plot, but also the, you know, Rebecca is horribly betraying Ted and what's going to happen when that finally comes around. And it was tightly plotted. It was beautifully paced. It all came to a glorious conclusion. And season two was just basically, well, yeah, these characters are fun. Let's watch them for a few episodes and just see what they do. There was nothing compelling to pull you from one to the other except your love of the characters. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of cool things. Like, I really like Nate's heel turn. Slow burn across the the series. At the last episode, he could have gone either way. Well, the next to last episode, Mm -hmm. he could have gone either way. And they slow burn him into villain. And it really worked. The actor just, 
I'm in awe of that actor because he both was able to make us love him in season one, undermine that through the course of season two until it brought to a head to the point that you just are so happy to hate him. Yeah. In that happy to hate him sort of way, you know, like he's, he's a genuine villain at the end. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. things I loved about him and the reason I made the crack about toxic masculinity. Yes. Is uh, there are two or three times in the season where he stands up for himself. Yes. And demonstrates strength mm-hmm. and then immediately goes after a woman. Yeah. Like when Keeley finally convinces him to like be strong and stand mm-hmm. up straight and stuff, he kisses her. And she's like, no, that's not where this was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Later on in the restaurant where he stands up and he's like, first, but yes. Was it first? Yeah. But you're right. Give me a good seat in this restaurant. And she's like, okay, fine, I Mm -hmm. guess. And then he asks her out on a date. And that linking of, you know, strength, masculinity with, you know, the sexuality, that connection to women, I thought was really interesting and really intriguing. That is really interesting. I will give you that. When you were saying it, I thought it was like Ted not being willing to open up. No, which I don't know that that really right. No, like, I, I, I don't. I don't really have any complaints with yeah. Ted in season two. No, said Ted. Ted's arc worked really well. Mm-hmm. They dug in him. Like all the characterization was really good. Yeah. And my complaint is that overarching thing, and also that it stopped being about football at all. Yeah, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And even as a person who doesn't watch football, I'm like. Yeah, but this is this is my this story. Is a football team. I want to know how they're doing. Mm-hmm. I want the games to be more relevant to the story, and I was missing that. And it came back a little at the end. So, mm-hmm. but I was missing that. I would say that I really liked Sam's sort of arc. It was nice season. that he became a much more prominent yes. character. My worry is he doesn't have the flaws that the, all the other characters do. So I'm hoping season mm-hmm. three, we get to see another side of Sam because they did that with the doctor. Like the doctor was really well used this mm-hmm. season. She came on and like- Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. I'm like, oh, she must be the new villain because I'm still waiting for a villain. Then by mm-hmm. like a couple episodes and I'm like, okay, she's not. Okay, there she's isn't obviously a not a villain. There's obviously no villain. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that they made her vulnerable, have her quirks, have her flaws. Because at first she just seemed like, the superhero brought in to replace Ted mm. and do what Ted does, but yeah. better. And be emotionally intelligent in yes. a way that Ted was before. And yes. now it's her. Yes, exactly. But then they made them emotionally intelligent together and kind of helped each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I ended up really liking her as a character. I was sad to see her go. But Sam is just paragon. He's too angelic. All the way through. Yeah. And because of that, it's hard for me to root for the relationship with him and Rebecca mm-hmm. because I don't know what makes them good together because I don't yeah. know him well enough to understand if that makes sense. Yeah. No, one of my favorite metaphors for love is an idiom I picked up in Mexico, mm-hmm. which is that you have to find your media naranja, your mm-hmm. other half of the orange. Yes. And that, you know, when you find the right person, you just fit together like two halves of an orange. Yes. And we don't really ever get to see Rebecca and Sam together. We don't see how one of them improves or completes the other one in either direction. Yeah. And so that romance, while it is intriguing, means nothing to me emotionally because we don't actually see it. We just see the effects of it. Yep. So I'd say I guess that's the other big weak link of the season, particularly because 
all we've known about Sam is number one, he will talk about colonization and the colonization of his people. Mm-hmm. And so picking the boss and dating the boss, not that that can't happen, but it like it's all we had for him. And yeah. so I'm like, you're not giving me a lot to work on, show. <laughs> I do think the thing where, is it in season two where they say, well, we can't be sponsored by this thing anymore. Yeah. They put the tape across, the, the, tape across. the uniforms. I think it ended up working. The first episode felt so clunky yeah. that it hadn't been introduced. Like to have Sam get a call from his dad, who's like, how dare you? And we haven't known anything about them or his dad or his relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't been conflicted about this before, but then it all worked through the course of the season. So I ended up really liking it. I feel like that first episode was rocky with well, that introduction. My issue with the sponsorship thing is that there yeah. weren't any consequences for it. Yeah. And there should have been, right? Mm-hmm. They took a stand yep. and they lost their sponsor and then nothing bad happened. We didn't get an episode yeah, about exactly. them searching for another one. We didn't get to see them struggling with bad equipment because they couldn't afford good stuff. Yep. Like it was a season that really, other than Nate, didn't have consequences for anything. Yeah. No, and that's a good point. I didn't love that. It's been a few months since I even watched that episode. Mm-hmm. You're hitting on what was bothering me about it. By the next episode just didn't matter. Yeah. And so it didn't feels anymore. like it's just like, here's topic of the week. We're going to be, you know, that's where you get this argument that, you know, you're just pandering sometimes mm-hmm. when you do things like that. Now, the reason I ended up liking it is that, you know, his family became more a part of it. Africa as a continent became relevant mm-hmm. and nuanced by the end of it, the way that he was interacting and interfacing with it. And a lot of those things really, really ended up working. But that initial episode, and I would have loved more consequences, like you say. Well, and I think you can see that reflected in a lot of the things, like Mm -hmm. Jamie, for example. One of the things that worked so beautifully about the first one Mm -hmm. is that our main characters that we liked were also villains and had redemption arcs. We saw that with Rebecca. Mm -hmm. We saw that with... Roy, to an extent, yep. we saw half of a redemption arc for Jamie. Mm-hmm. At the end, he is a team player. And but for the other team. But yeah. for the other team. It was genius. And it was really good. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, he did learn something from Ted. That's great. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it ends with his dad chewing him out. Yep. And then in season two, he's just nice now. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't get the second half of his redemption arc. Yeah. He learned how to be a team player, but... He's basically this little puppy dog that wants to be loved the whole time. And again, there weren't any consequences with his dad. We didn't have to see him like try to become nice. It was nice to see everyone hate him for a couple of episodes. That worked for me. And it is really nice. Let's give credit to the two scenes where Roy thinks he's still a jerk Mm -hmm. and has to realize that he's not. And Roy's being the jerk. It felt to me like Jamie was just suddenly good for no reason. Yep. And that is a problem that I have with the show in general, is that it said, oh, we're the wholesome show. Let's just wholesomeize all these people who, rather than showing us the process of becoming a good person, they're just instantly a good person, mm-hmm. which kind of bugged me. Yeah, but Nate became a... Nate became a bad person. <laughs> yeah, so there, there is that. Yeah. And that, again, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Really well done. Yeah. Slow burn that, like... I kept thinking, well, when are they going to address this? And they kind of do, but Nate just ignores it. 
Yeah. He doesn't learn his lessons. It gets worse and worse. Yeah. Well, and I do especially love one of the things that really worked for me is how Ted's character didn't change. Mm -hmm. He treated everyone well, and he treated everyone the same. Mm -hmm. And that, while it was wonderful in season one, is very directly what bothered Nate at the end. Yeah, though. He was not special. He needed a new dad, basically, and his new dad didn't love him as much as he wanted him to. And why do you treat me the same as everybody else instead of making me the very best one? And so that kind of selfishness as a side effect of Ted's goodness worked perfectly. It was wonderful. That's really, really good. Beach rant that Nate gives in Mm -hmm. the end is so perfect because it's obvious he's transposing this. It's the stuff he wants to yell at his actual dad for. Yeah. And it's obvious, like, normally when you get a speech like that in this sort of show, you realize, oh, Ted's been doing something wrong too. Mm-hmm. And this one they pull off where you're like, no, he hasn't. Ted has done nothing wrong. Nate is in the wrong and his dad's in the wrong, Nate's mm-hmm. dad. And he's transposing extra, but that has poisoned him to the point that he is now... You know, doing the worst thing that a person could possibly do in this show, yeah. which is go work for the jerk, which is a perfect <laughs> mm-hmm. reveal. He has a smile yeah. at the end to make sure you know that he's taking a heel turn. And well, and the yeah. way that his hair slowly becomes gray over yeah. the course of it, mm-hmm. and you don't even really notice how gray he is until he's wearing the all black suit. Yep. And then you're like, oh. I actually said to Emily, I'm like, did they film that a few months later? He's more gray than he has been, right? And yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that specifically bothered him was being called the Wonder Kid. Yeah. Because he is sick of being infantilized. He's yes. sick of not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. He's short and he's kind of goofy looking and he wants to be mm-hmm. a big, strong man. Yeah. And he's not. And so he's mad at everyone. Yep. And I don't know. His man. his character, it was the best part of the season. I can't believe how good that actor was. Yeah. Just pulling that off. And I don't think he was nominated for anything. I think really? Roy and Ted were again. Yeah. Nate absolutely he was stole the, the show star of the season. This season. Really fantastic stuff. But, you know, what did you think of Beard After Hours? Okay. That was my favorite episode. I thought it would be. It was my <laughs> least favorite. Oh, and it, mm-hmm. it's very controversial. Yeah, what I've, happened was yeah. the studio, whoever was producing it, ordered mm-hmm. a certain number of episodes. Mm-hmm. And so they had broken the story and they had built an arc. And then at the last minute, the studio said, actually, we want two more. And so that's where the Christmas episode came from, Okay, which that is completely sense. disconnected from yep. the storyline. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Beard episode came okay. from. It was this delightful, I think part of it was just my frustration with this season isn't about anything. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the episode that very overtly isn't about anything. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved every second of that episode because it was this weird odyssey through just bizarre nightlife and seedy underbelly of London. And yep. I love it. It was great. I but thought you didn't like it at all. I I wouldn't say I didn't like it at all. Okay. So my response afterward was, wow, I'm glad they did something different. That did not work for me. Okay. Right? So I wouldn't replace it in the season. You deserve to have a weird episode now and then, right? Mm -hmm. My problem is it didn't advance the story. This is uh, obviously they couldn't because of what happened, but it didn't advance the story. And it felt really contradictory to itself. And that's part of Beard. 
Mm-hmm. So that's okay. But like why he followed the woman in red, like the framing is like, oh, he's got a new love interest. But the whole episode is about how he loves this other person. And like that contradiction, obviously they're presenting his relationship with what's her name mm-hmm. as super toxic. Yeah. They're framing it that way. But this story is about a quest to find her. And the messaging just really didn't land for me with like Beard is in love. Beard's not in love. What is Beard doing? I would have rather it be a little weirder and a less about his- (laughs) Less about that. that. See, I liked that part of it because Mm -hmm. even in the quest of looking for- his girlfriend, yeah. there was all of the self-doubt. Like, is she really the one for me? Maybe someone else is. And I think that as a microcosm of a relationship, mm-hmm. in a very abstract way, it worked. And that's part of why I like that episode is that it felt like mm-hmm. an abstraction. It felt like we were watching a fable rather yeah. than reality. Emily hated it. It's the only episode she absolutely didn't and like. I can understand yeah. that 100%. I know that it is most people's least favorite episode of the entire show. And I think part of why I didn't like it as much, even though I like the things you're saying about it, is I really wanted to get to know Beard. Like in the yeah. other character focused episodes, we really learn about the characters. We mm-hmm. dig in. Like when we find out about Nate's family and how they treat him and things, we learn so much about Nate that yeah. is super relevant to the rest of the story. When we do the same with Keely, when we do the same with Rebecca, when we do the same with Ted, every one of these characters, what we find out, even if the episode isn't relevant, what we found out is super relevant to mm-hmm. everything and how it reframes how they interact. Beard, we learn nothing, I feel like. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. And I think the show is doing that on purpose because it mm-hmm. loves keeping Beard as mysterious so mm-hmm. that he can say or do weird out-of-character things Yeah, and they still count as in-character because that's what his character is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally get it. It is not an episode that works for everyone. But so, I, it's very funny that you knew that would be. My oh, I, one. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Dan's gonna, Dan's gonna this love. Is absolutely, this, a Dan episode. This is the Dan. Dan would the like guy the whole that show. Hates everything you love <laughs> is of course gonna love the thing you hate. It's not that way though. You're super <laughs> erratic in the things I love that you hate. That's what makes it so interesting. Like I can't tell if I'm gonna say something. You'd be like, yeah, that's brilliant. That's genius. Something that I love. Or it'll be like, hey, here's this universally loved piece of media that talks about the nature of art in a way that is really touching. You'd be like, oh yeah, it's trash. So <laughs> that's that's what makes it interesting. Well, yeah, I'm glad that I'm entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I um, also know you well enough to know that the weird surrealist journey through <laughs> mythology as represented by the mm-hmm. underbelly of London, it's just like, you're going to be like, oh, oh yeah, mm. that's like, that, that's my catnip right there. Yeah. That episode, I, I would watch a whole season of that. Even mm-hmm. though a whole season of that would be terrible, Yeah, I would still watch it. Okay. But, yeah. So basically, my problem with season two boiled mm-hmm. down. Uh, I felt like it wasn't about anything. Mm-hmm. Even though it was peripherally about the downfall of Nate. It was scattered, it was disconnected, and we didn't really get to see consequences. So same thing with Rebecca as with Jamie. And I know we're running out of time. Rebecca apologizes to Ted at the end of season one. Mm -hmm. And then in season two, she's just magically a wonderful person who's best friends with everybody. It still feels like there should have been more character development there. I agree with you. Everyone lost all their flaws Mm -hmm. and have become a little less interesting. Brandon's checklist of predictions. Okay. So my predictions were, so I had trouble 
with Roy because I said, if you remember, Roy needs to be on the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But they just promoted Nate. They can't just promote Roy. Yeah. So how do we have Roy on the coaching staff? And I'm like, oh, being a commentator when they did that. But then he joined the coaching staff. So that's a half point. So you're half right. Half right. Well, and part of him joining the coaching staff, I think, is what drove Nate away. Because he's yeah. like, wait, I thought I was your special boy. Why do you have two special boys now? Yeah. Like all of that worked. The episode where he comes back mm-hmm. and joins the staff and like the Rolling Stone song that's playing yeah. at the time, like it was all just perfect. Prediction, Boss will buy a rival team. Didn't happen in season two. Happens in season three. Do I get another half point for that? Well, I mean, it did happen in season two. It just I happened it in the last episode. I just thought so. that would be the arc of season mm-hmm. two. So we'll, we'll give you point. half a point for that. Too. Half a point. And then prediction that they would spend season two trying to get back up to the Premier League. Also, I think I only get a half point on because there was almost no football, but it did yeah. happen. It did happen, yeah. but like we didn't see them yeah. again. As with everything else in the season, mm-hmm. they didn't have to work for it. Yeah, I it thought just happened. season two is go back to fundamentals, learn how to actually play soccer. Ted has to learn to be a coach. They deserve to win, and they do. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to that. I'll always feel a little cheated that that all happened, and I didn't get to see it. Yeah. So those are kind of my three main predictions. So what are your predictions for season three? So boy, it's really hard to predict now because it feels like with that last episode, they heard the feedback even while they were making season two that, Mm -hmm. hey, this isn't about anything. We need a villain. And so they went to the low hanging fruit that is the right fruit, right? It's low hanging because they'd already seeded it as Mm -hmm. a new villain thing in there. And so in a classic structure, I would expect season three to be about winning the championship, right? But I don't feel like they earned in season two the right two. So like, I would love to see a, now we prove that we don't just belong here. We get to win something because mm-hmm. they now have lost to Man City, right? Like now they're back in the Premier League. Yeah. You want to see them work, become a team. Yeah. But earn their place. The obvious thing would be to have them beat the people who beat them. Is Did Manchester also relegate them or was it somebody I else? I don't remember who, because who relegated them. Because if someone relegated them and then that's the person they also lost to in that championship in season two, then you've had two losses to build to a third victory. You've had your try-fail cycle. So anyway, what would I do? At this point, I don't think they deserve to win, right? And so Ted Lasso spent two years not learning soccer. Like, I feel like he needs to learn soccer. So learn how to actually be a soccer coach. But I feel like season three, since I kind of know that they're like, the end is like, Ted has to leave, right? This is the Ted now leaves Beard in charge because Beard has become an actual soccer coach. And it's Beard versus Nate. And Ted kind of moves out of that role, something like that. I would have expected a Ted romance in season two. It was probably right not to give it. Yeah. So I expect one in season three. We got one episode of Sassy Smurf coming we back. Did. And I love her as a character, but I also was very surprised they didn't develop that any further. I'm expecting some other romance. Okay, somebody else other somebody than Sassy. Than Sassy. I'm okay. expecting, like, Sassy's the person he's kind of having some flings with. They both seem like they're just okay with fling on that. And then season three, actual romance. Speaking of season two, we didn't mm-hmm. even mention the Keely Roy romance. What oh, did you yeah. think of that? Like they're a good example of how they are a good match for each other. Mm-hmm. They really legitimately feel like a yeah. great you match. You get to see the two half yep. oranges come together. I am they tired well. 
of them putting roadblocks between that. They did the Roy is a doofus. He learns his lesson. He comes back. He helps Keeley twice. Mm-hmm. And then the third time, it's like now he's feeling in her shadow. If season three is now Roy learns another lesson about how they're great, then I'll be annoyed. But I'll also be annoyed if they break them up because all of season two proved that they are a good couple. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of done with that. Just let them be a good couple. Take the focus on. Move on. I will say other than Nate, Roy's niece is the best character in the season. She is pretty good. She's pretty fantastic. Yep. Anyway, we got to be done. Yep. We're way we, over time. Yeah, we got to record another episode today because somebody's flying away on to go to a Comic-Con what and will be gone. Jerk. And we need a couple episodes in the bag. So. Also, I am never around anymore. You do I'm in go charge camping of so a lot. many camps this summer. Yeah. So many church camps. It's ridiculous. Yep. Anyway, mm. how's that been? Yeah.